This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The following content is not suitable for children. Let's talk about fetishes. What turns you on, baby? Ooh, let's talk about fetishes. Ooh, she said it better than I did. Welcome to Foreplay Sex Therapy. I'm Dr. Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Valley, your couples therapist. We are here to talk about sex. Our mission is to help couples talk about sex in ways that incorporate their body, their mind, and their hearts. And we have a little bit of fun doing it, right, G? Listen, and let's change some relationships. So, Dr. Laurie, sex expert, I mean, what is it about these fetishes? Yeah, so a fetish is kind of something that is an object or a part of a body that turns people on sexually, that it's not actually a turn on about a person or your partner, but it's this other thing. So I had a professor once who, he was trying to explain fetishes and he said, you know, I like pet my cat and my cat arches its back and I get an erection. And it's kind of like this, he was trying to normalize that lots of crazy things that, you know, we wouldn't think turn us on, do turn us on. And it was kind of this fetish and I've certainly worked with people with fetishes. You know, one person had a diaper fetish and wanted to wear diapers to work and wanted to have sex in a wet diaper and all this stuff. And, you know, he didn't know where it came from. But it turned out when he was four years old, his mother was hospitalized in a psychiatric hospital right when his baby sister was born. And, of course, the baby sister got all the attention. And somehow or another, he kind of got a hold of the fact that diapers were what got you attention and care. And then as he grew up and that kind of became eroticized, he transferred his sexual feelings to diapers. You know, all kinds of things. Is that called but is that called paraphilic infantilism? (laughs) I don't need a way to come up with these words. Very good. Or autoneopeophilia. I mean, wow, they got some some wild things out here. I've never this this podcast continues to educate me, Lori. I feel like <laughs> playing stump the sex therapist, and I could just try to mispronounce some of these words. And let's okay. see if you can you could come up with if them. If I can pronounce are. them, no, if you even know what they are, how about that? I don't know if I know what they all are. I'm going to take five. We're going to get give you five of them, and let's see okay. how many you get out of okay, five. Okay, let's let's see how many I miss. Probably all of them. Acrotomophilia. Have no idea. All right. It's a sexual arousal towards amputees. Ooh, okay. All right. I'm still in the A's. You know about <laughs> bondage and... Ah, you ever heard of this one? Coolrophilia. I have not. Being turned on by clowns. Oh, that is really scary. That is really scary. <laughs> We just had Halloween. That is scary. This one, wow. Emetophilia. E-M-E-T. Emetophilia. So turned on by vomit. Is that oh, right? Oh, there we go. Dr. Lori's in the in the scoring column. 
my Latin came in handed. Exhibitionism. Oh, yeah. Wanting people to see us. Foot fetish. We got to talk more about that. Okay. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today because we got a Q&A from a person who just discovered that their partner had a foot fetish. All right. How about Kato, no, K-top tronphilia? Oh, dear. K-top tronphilia. What is it? Mirrors. Mirrors. I really like mirrors. Okay. You know? Lactophilia? Fun. Uh, something about milk. Breast milk? Breast milk. Yeah. Necrophilia. Yeah. Turned on by dead people. She's That's on a roll. Dr. Lori's on a spooky. roll. Spooky. Spooky. Public sex. Pregnancy. You know most of these. All right, Deke. Last one. Somnophilia. So is this when people have sex in their sleep? They're, they're attracted by someone who's sleeping or unconscious. Mm, another scary one, right? I lied. I said when there's one more. Urophilia. Uh, sex with... About pee play, golden showers. Golden showers, there it is. Yeah, okay. I knew a few of them. You knew most of them. Good job, Dr. Lori. Oh, it is cozy. It is the time of year to be cozy. And I love cozy earth. Please try those soft, soft sheets. Cozy earth makes luxury goods that transform your lifestyle All the products are made from responsibly sourced bamboo. So good. They come with a 10-year warranty. And they're bedding. It's temperature regulating. So if you sleep hot and he sleeps cold or vice versa, the bamboo and the linen sheets will do it for you. And the loungewear, y'all. Cozy Earth makes the best loungewear. It is so cozy. I wore it on my women's slumber party with my girlfriends. They all wore it. There was somebody else, a participant wearing it. We all look so good in it because it has a flattering, elegant fit. And really, I am going into winter and I am going to be cozy and soft with Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth provides that exclusive offer for us, Foreplay fans, up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code FOREPLAY. So please check out CozyEarth.com. Get up to 35% off site-wide, and that's a deal. Use the code FOREPLAY. Buy her some lovely, sexy loungewear that is so soft to the touch. Buy some sheets. Make her day. These sheets make your clothes come off. Uber Lube. It's a luxury lubricant. Can you say that three times fast? Uber Lube Luxury Lubricant. You know, basically, it's pure silicone bliss. It is made from superior ingredients. It has skin-soothing vitamin E, and it goes on just like natural moisture, and it lasts a long time. There's no drip. Their glass bottles are truly beautiful. You can leave them on your bedstand. I do. No problem. Nobody notices. And it's basically like this thin, slippery silicone formulation. It reduces friction, which is great, but it doesn't reduce sensation, and it stays slippery long enough for lasting pleasure. They have travel-friendly toughened glass bottles. You can slip it in your gym bag. You can slip it in your purse. You can be ready whenever. Try UberLube, the silicone lubricant, at uberlube.com. Use the code FOREPLAY for 10% off. Really, 
It is the best lubricant on the market. I remember going to Amsterdam and it's like, I was what, 20, 22 years old. And I was like a culture shock. You know, I was walking down the street, seeing the red light district, seeing like all these, you know, magazines and videos, people pooping on each other, pissing on each other. I was like, what the hell food play? It's just every kind of thing. I was like, my, my poor, like, Young development Your brain was not ready brain. for what it what it saw in that place. What were you doing in Amsterdam at twenty one? I was going for a bachelor party, so I was <laughs> a police officer bachelor so party. I don't know if that was a traumatized. Traumatized. No, it was a good time, but again, I think there's bet. there's so many different things out there that, and I, I would imagine most people that have a fetish are pretty pretty embarrassed of it, or you know try to keep it secret and let, let's just try to normalize like what is it about how do people talk about it so I, I don't i don't think everybody's embarrassed by it i think some fetishes are probably a little more mainstream than others mm-hmm. um i i think obviously from my vantage point the difficulty is when one party finds it gross or freaky or is freaked out about it and the other person this is who they are this is how they grew up this is kind of always been with them and they are trying to let their partner in on it Um, maybe they're trying to incorporate it into their sexual repertoire or maybe they're okay with it just being part of themselves but I mean, as we know, right, almost anything can freak our partner out. We, we're all worried about being considered sex freaks, or maybe some of us are worried about that. <laughs> maybe not all of us. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping you could help me. It, it does seem to be often when I'm working with couples, you know, the partner who doesn't have the fetish can often feel threatened by the fetish because the person seems more interested in that than you know the partner so you know it's it's i guess cool like hey if you're into feet all right you're into feet but like when i start finding pictures of feet and like you know it feels like there's there's a a deeper connection to some of the fetishes that it almost like a competing attachment like you know you really rather have this than me And, and so often we're trying to help couples sexually be more present you know increase levels of engagement Focus on more than just the physiological, right? Focus on the emotional, the spiritual, you know. And it almost seems like there's a detachment in some of these fetishes. Am I off with that? or? No, you're right. I think this is where fetishes can become problematic when the partner feels depersonalized. Mm. Like, you like my feet, but you don't really want me. And you know, I, I knew a guy who had a shoe fetish. I worked with him and, you know, it didn't really matter who the woman was that was wearing the shoes. He just really got turned on by shoes. But his partner was like, you know, I really want you to be turned on by me. I want you to want me. And so there was a disconnect. Sometimes I I don't think people have as much control, George, over what turns them on. They this turns them on. I think we have a better chance at enlarging their pattern of arousal than we do at blocking off something that did turn them on. I mean, obviously there are illegal things that turn people on that we all recognize as dangerous. You know, children, we recognize that as dangerous to our society. 
So how do we get somebody like that to not act on it and turn off this arousal pattern or turn it down and switch over to an adult pattern that is, you know, going to bring them fulfillment and secure attachment and all that. So, I mean, I'm probably not the sex therapist that says everything goes. And I am very concerned about people getting connected and feeling attached to each other. But I probably think some fetishes are more easily incorporated than others. Well, Um, we're saying that with all couples, we're trying to expand their palate, right? That increases levels of engagement. I like that language that like, mm -hmm. how do you just not make it all about this and find lots of ways of expression your sexual self? But I guess my question is, a lot of people probably try to turn off those fetishes. Like, can you kind of free that energy up into other areas? Or like, if you, I, you know, I, I, I guess what I'm, it feels like it's almost this energetic thing for people. And if they're going to lose it, they lose a part of who they are. Can that get rechanneled or, you know, can they, if they find healthier, not healthier, but if they find different ways, more expansive ways, it becomes, you know, more interpersonal into, yeah. versus, Yeah, more interpersonal ways to feel sexual arousal. I mean, I think that's the issue in partnership. Can they be sexually attracted to and aroused by their partner? Mm -hmm. So they can rechannel it if you want, if you have a... I I think about it as more like expansion. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think all of us, right? We have sexual energy that's tied to something that maybe we don't want to be directed at. Like if Somebody's walking down the street and they see an attractive other, that kind of gives them a sexual charge. But they're not going to go ahead and try to pick that person up if they're married or go for that person. So how do they take that sexual charge, bring it home, and make use of it in a direction that is going to be fulfilling to them and their partner? So, yeah, I think it's like taking captive the energy and maybe it is redirecting I don't think all fetishes are harmful, and I don't think, you know, necessarily they need to be redirected. Sometimes they can exist in parallel with an experience of excitement about your partner. A lot of times, yeah, this turns me on, and this is kind of different. It's not about my partner, but my partner turns me on. I love the word expansion. You know, I grew up with guys... One friend's a boob guy. The other guy's an ass guy. I mean, we have things that turn us on, like that, that more sure. so than other parts. But again, if we limit the sexual encounter to just that, we lose so much. So this is about expansion, right? How do we... And I, I think if the partner can get on board and get excited, you know, but just not make that their sex life. I mean, again, that's the balance. That's why you need to communicate. And I think so many couples... This is where they fail to communicate, right? It's. I, I think you're kind of saying something that I feel like some people look at porn a lot. Is that a fetish? Not really, but it isn't their partner. You know, how do they take that energy and actually make it interpersonal? Or do they start to prefer this other thing that doesn't really enhance the sexual relationship with their partner. That That's my concern. That's my only concern as a couples therapist and as a sex therapist is how do we bring it so that it enlivens, brings love yeah. and more security between two people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we'll come back from after break. I, I mean, 
I almost feel like for some people, there's a compulsivity to the fetish that mm -hmm. there's such there a sometimes. strong pull to it that really does pull them out of the, the engagement or the, you know, the interpersonal connection. And that's where it becomes threatening to the bond, right? We don't really yeah. care what your fetish is, what you turned on, what adults consent to do and agree to do. We're not here to judge. We're just trying to say, is this something that enhances the sex or is it something that detracts from the sex? And, you know, that's really up for each partner to decide. Well, let's come back and talk about a question from one of our listeners. You know, I always say women need their brains to turn on, to think about sexual content, and Dipsy Stories will have you immersed in a vivid world where every touch and every breath and every stolen glance is felt with breathtaking intensity. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. And they bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Like a sexy story about if you've ever been out in the world and suddenly a sexy impulsive thought pops into your brain and you grab your partner and you sneak off to do it in the woods or do it outdoors or maybe in the stacks at the library. Be very, very legal here, y'all. With Dipsy, you don't have to go anywhere or do anything that is risky. You can just put your headphones on and do it anywhere. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For my listeners on the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash foreplay. That's 30 days of full access for free. When you go to dipsystories.com slash foreplay. Dipsystories.com slash foreplay, y'all. Addie. Ladies, did you know that one of the most common complaints from women about their sexual health is a frustrating low libido? Our sex drives can decline, but it's also treatable. Addy or Flibanserin is FDA approved and has been clinically proven to increase sexual desire in certain premenopausal women who are bothered by a low libido. So if you feel like you've lost your desire and you want to get it back, stop falling for the snake oils and ask your doctor about Addy today. Go to Addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I. Addy is for premenopausal women with acquired generalized hypoactive sexual desire disorder, HSDD, who have not had problems with low sexual desire in the past, who have low sexual desire no matter the type of sexual activity, the situation, or the sexual partner. The low sexual desire is troubling to them and is not due to a medical or mental health problem, problems in the relationship, or medicine or other drug use. Addy is not for use in men or to enhance sexual performance. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is increased if you drink one to two standard alcoholic drinks close in time to your Addy dose. Wait at least two hours after drinking before taking Addy at bedtime. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is also increased if you take certain prescriptions, over-the-counter or herbal medications, or have liver problems. Low blood pressure and fainting can happen when you take Addy even if you don't drink alcohol or take other medicines. Do not take if you are allergic to any of the ingredients in Addy. Allergic reactions may include hives, itching or trouble breathing. Sleepiness, sometimes serious, can occur. Common side effects include dizziness, nausea, tiredness, Difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep and dry mouth. See full PI and medication guide, including box warning at addy.com forward slash PI or call 844-PINK-PILL. Go to addy.com and use the code foreplay for a $10 telemedicine appointment to find out if Addy is right for you. Okay, George, I've got a question about a foot fetish that a listener recently discovered. And she writes in and says... I'm happily married to the man of my dreams. And she said she's a little bit more of the sexual pursuer, but both of them are in a positive cycle sexually and emotionally. So this is, they got a good thing going on here. They married a little bit later. And she said, you know, recently she was looking through 
some photos of their house. She asked her husband if he still had any on his phone. He wasn't sure, but he tossed her the phone. And accidentally, she stumbles onto some pictures that she doesn't understand. And she scrolls down and finds that there are very explicit pictures of her own feet, like having taken a picture of her on the couch and on the bed and on the beach. And then there were other women's pictures, too, that were very sexually explicit. And she said she kind of sat down in shock. How are feet sexually explicit? Just trying to get an image of I don't know. I don't know. Maybe feet... I mean, I can imagine sexually explicit pictures of feet, like feet in places or holding things. Yeah, like maybe feet stimulating a man or, you know, all kinds of things. Who knows? We could let our imaginations run wild about sexy feet. (laughs) I'm thinking about my feet in a way I never thought of them before. All right, here we go. I got to say, I have a girlfriend who isn't, has an anti-foot fetish. And when we were young, I knew this about her. I knew that feet were super important. And if if the feet didn't work, the guy didn't work. And we had set her up on a date, and we were all on a hike together. And this guy says, wow, that stream looks really cool. I think I'll take my shoes off and wade in. I'm like, oh, don't do that. Because <laughs> you know? I just knew as soon as he took his shoes off, she was going to say, oh, I don't like his feet. And it was going to be all over. But oh I well. thought you were going to okay. say anti-feet that she wanted to cut feet off like she was into amputees oh. or something. I mean, everyone's got their no, stuff, no, no. so. No, no. But back to our mailbox. Okay, back to our person. So she's saying, I don't know what to do with this. You know, I, I thought he could trust me and be open with his wants and desires. You know, and maybe the nature of his desire is too shameful. You know, I don't know. She said, it's not that big a deal, but what do I do with this discovery? Do I talk to him about it? Do I pretend like I didn't see this? I mean, clearly he was not overly trying to hide something because he just hands over his phone. So, But he didn't uh, initiate the sharing of it, right? He did she not initiate the sharing of it. found out of a secret without, you know, yeah. So I think with anything, first of all, they seem like they're in a relatively new partnership. And I guess my sense of in a new relationship, it's hard to reveal our whole erotic self all at once. Who I am as an erotic being is a discovery both for myself and to share with my partner over time. I don't think I told my husband one of my secret fantasies for like 20 years or something. What was it? Not going to tell you. You can't tease our listeners like I that. I can tease our plan. listeners any way I want. But, you know, it, it's, it takes courage to share all these things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it, it also hurts to find out things the way she found out, right? So I think there is a repair that needs to happen, some ownership on his part to say, hey, listen. And I think most people just don't want to be judged and don't want to feel embarrassed and don't want their partner to worry about them. So, you know. I think that's the first step, just saying, I'm sorry you found out this way. But there is an opportunity in finding out. Now it's out on the open. We can talk about, like, what does this represent? You know, is it a threat to the relationship? Do you think about other women this way? Is it just something we can spice up? I mean, how do you know unless you have that conversation degree of the pull? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I think with every fetish, there is a fixation on something. And and for good reasons, it usually, and we see this a lot, not equating it with trauma, but, you know, I remember working with a 
with, with a wife who was, you know, raped when she was younger and by her uncle. And but she also loved her uncle. It was like, you know, it was a mixed confusing. kind of ex- confusing, yeah, you know, her body liked the touch and infection, but it didn't like the lack of safety. And like as she got older, when she'd have an orgasm, she'd have to think about her uncle. So like why is do get twisted when like formative right. places and, you know, I'm not saying that's the case with all fetishes, but there there is there is a, a fixation that we're, we I think it would be good to explore. And, and like you said, can you expand that so there's it's not interfering with the connection sexually with your partner? Like if they could yeah. both be into it in a playful way, I think that would be the ideal situation. Yeah. I mean, I think in this case, what she indicates is he's very drawn to her. They have a great sex life. Yeah. They have a good emotional connection. So this is a part of him, but it is not his full arousal pattern. He has a good arousal pattern that includes her. That's what it sounds like. I had a girlfriend who had a guy who liked her feet and kind of had a foot fetish. But it was part of his arousal pattern. And so we like took pictures of her feet in the bubble bath and with honey dripping all over them with a silky scarf wrapped. You know, we sent it to him. I was the photographer and... Just helping her be playful about this because he was in another country most of the time. Um, you know, I mean, it was something that she was able to totally adopt and not feel threatened by and yeah. play with it and kind of tease him with it and arouse him with it. So they incorporated that fetish into their sex life. And is that so different than porn? I don't think so. And, and in this case, there wasn't a secret. He was out with it right at the beginning. So there wasn't any kind of injury of like, how come you didn't tell me and what does this mean? Yeah. You know, he was able to say, hey, this is, you know, kind of what I'm into. Yeah. I mean, what options do you have? If, if you keep it secret, it's likely going to lead to some feeling of betrayal. And right. if you have the fetish, I mean, it's not a choice, right? It's something that developed and we're not really sure why, but, you know, to be able to understand that, you have to take that risk to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I, I think anytime you discover something, even accidentally, and it doesn't sound like she was snooping or doing something, he knew she was looking at his phone. So you got to say something. Because otherwise, that information inside, you don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And it's going to bother you. And it's going to bother the relationship if it bothers you. Again, that's so important. I mean, it is about the communication. And it represents something, right? If it's not named, it becomes this lurking threat in the relationship. You know, put it in perspective. If it is a big deal and this is a bigger part of your sexual being, then you've got to figure out what you're going to do with that. What percentage do you want it to take up space in your relationship? Right, exactly. And it sounds like she's going to talk with him. She kind of is trying to figure out how so that he doesn't feel more shamed. And I, I think we do this all the time, right? We set people up of how to say it better. You know, and I like the way you do it, George, where you spiral into the point. You know, mm. you, you're, you're always global at first, and then you bring it down to maybe what the point of your communique is. So it's like, hey, you know, the other day, remember I was looking on your phone for those pictures of the house, and 
you know, I just stumbled across something and I just want you to know I love what we have going on sexually and, you know, we have something so good and it's so precious. And I found some images and I just wanted to talk with you about them and what they might mean. And I'm not really all that upset about it. I I think I just want to see if we can have a conversation and maybe what you feel about this. And that was when I found the pictures of uh, pictures of my feet, which was interesting and I have different feelings about that, but I also found pictures of other women's feet and kind of wanted to ask you about how you feel about feet. What's the sexual turn on or is there a sexual turn on or can you help me understand how you feel about that? How was that? I love it. I love you being explicit about trying to stay curious, trying to stay open, trying not to be judgmental, but trying to confront the issue because it, you know, you, she deserves that. I mean, this. She's got a fear that she didn't have, you know, and her partner's job is to kind of give space to listen to that. To, you know, it's all about engagement. If this leads to more engagement, then the couple wins. If he gets defensive and shuts down and she's shut out and this becomes a secret, it, it that's, is like a competing attachment. So it's really what this couple wants to do with it. As you were saying, I was like, well, maybe she could like hold up a note with her feet and say, we need to talk. <laughs> Try to get playful with how you can kind of my, integrate these two. <laughs> my feet want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so we, we got to have some fun with this stuff too. But you know, we know it's it's a serious topic. If you're the person who's into something, you know, it, it holds some sexual charge for you. And if you're the partner that's not into that, it could be, it could be a threat. So the couples in this situation need help to talk about it. And I just think that's so often like a lot of issues because people don't know how to do it. They don't find a bridge. They just head off in separate di directions and they both feel shame and fear and hurt and they just don't know how to share it with each other, which is really sad. So I love that she's reaching out. She's already addressing it. She's going to talk to her partner about it. And, and, you know, they're already on the road towards that expansion that Laurie's talking about because that just gives yeah. us more to play with. Yeah, exactly. More to foot tickle with each other. <laughs> you and your tickling. Good Lord. Okay, y'all. Keep it hot. Keep it hot. Oh, yeah. Okay, so tell us about your cutting edge training that you're doing on success and vulnerability? Lori, we just keep pushing it, coming up with a new module on the playbook of a pursuer, playbook of a witcher, really practical moment by moment moves of what a therapist can use. You know, we're so focused on what's happening in session. Enough there's talk about theories and these global things. We, I think most therapists are looking for, what do I do in this moment? Give me a tool, George. So that's what we're trying to do. That's awesome. I am so glad you guys are doing this work. I think it helps us be organized to see you do it. You do demos, you do explanations, teaching. It really is interactive. And I think that so many trainings that we sit through don't give us an opportunity for that. So what you're doing is really important. No, we try to emphasize the teach it, show it, do it model of learning. Now you need to have some ideas, so we try to teach those. And then we try to show what it looks like implementing those ideas. But most importantly, you now got to practice it. That's how they become yours. And that's what we want our, our listeners and watchers to do is become their own moves. Find George and his teaching at successandvulnerability.com. Call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes.
All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.